good evening or good morning if you're listening later on or good afternoon if you're listening another day uh welcome to whatever episode we're on of the third and short podcast uh joined as usual by producer jamie and we have another replacement for tom higgins in the shape of geordie mark uh so thanks for joining us mark um and it's quite raiders heavy this uh this this week um but um yeah we're going to talk about last night's games we're also going to talk about some uh coaching situations that have, have changed in the last few days um and then also just talk some nonsense about whatever we feel like uh so firstly i'll just give my very quick recap on the games last night uh i was drinking most of yesterday watched both games don't remember either of them had to check the scores this morning so um there you go that's that's my input for for um for tonight and <laughs> um yeah i think um obviously i, I was gonna say they were, they were great games i only know they were great games because i saw the score were was uh, a field goal between between the two two games but um yeah i'll start with uh with mark um talk us through an overview of last night whichever game or both games if you want um what what was your, your thoughts on... We'll go with the first game. What was your thoughts on the Bengals? Well, to be honest with you, I only watched the first game in depth. The second game, I was starting to fall asleep and I buggered off at half-time, like, you know what I mean? It's hard, It's hard, isn't it, watching games when they're late, even though they're important games when your side's not invested in them? Like, I don't yeah. know about you, Matt, but even though I'm an NFL fan, you know, like, and I don't know if this is the same for you, Jamie, but, you know, like, when it's not my team playing, even if it is, like, the EFC or NFC Championship, I'm still, I still find it quite easy to turn off and go to bed, you know what I mean? But I did watch yeah. the EFC Championship game, which was the Bengals against Kansas. And you know what it is? Kudos to the Bengals, because I thought they were out of it by the end of the first quarter. Um, like, Mahomes came out. He looked unreal. Three touchdowns on three possessions. Travis Kelsey was catching the ball. Tyree Kill was catching the ball. Mahomes' offensive line was protecting them. And the times when the Bengals did get pressure, um, you know, like um, he wasn't getting touched. He was like he was like massive escapability, um, which we saw on that touchdown to Travis Kelsey. But kudos to the Bengals staff who like just were brilliant and made some amazing second half adjustments. You know, you know, and and and, and Joe Burrow as well. I mean, where do we rank Joe Burrow NFL quarterbacks now in his second season? Is is it safe to say that Joe Burrow is a top five NFL quarterback now? There's certainly an argument for it, isn't there? He, he could be arguing to be MVP this year. I mean, like that mm-hmm. second half. His display that second half was unbelievable. You know, he was he was generating grounds on the uh, yards on the ground. I had him back for the over on rush yards. In his rush yards yardage, over was only nine yards. And he got that quite easily. So I was quite pleased because I got some money in off that. But he was just unbelievable. He's just he, he he's just a, a meteoric rise from where he was at Ohio before he went to LSU. To where he came in in the situation he was putting in at the Bengals, which wasn't the best, and still isn't the best offensive line. He's still running for his life, but the guy's just a baller. You know what I mean? I don't know what your thoughts are on it, Jamie. I mean, there's only one person that can be MVP, and that is Evan Money McPherson. I mean, give it to a kicker. It is. It has to be done. I mean, I absolutely adore that man. He is great. And like I said, Burrow, Burrow is getting him down the field. But McPherson, 
walking over to the coaches being all like, oh, I guess we're going to the AFC Championship, winning that. He probably did say it for the Super Bowl as well. Well, I guess we're going to the Super Bowl as well. But um, no, he's a, he's a Florida Gator. I, I love him. But um, I think Joe Burrow's definitely winning comeback player of the year. There's, there's no doubt about that. And I think maybe Brady was getting a little bit scared, so he decided... I'm going to retire now so I get the MVP award, you know, because it'll be my last one. Otherwise, Burrow might have been in for it. So, who knows? But it's the first time. I mean, I was throwing in random stats just, just looking last night. And this Super Bowl is the first, the second time ever it will be contested by two number one draft pick quarterbacks. Ooh. Second time ever. And it is the first time ever that none of the teams from the AFC and NFC are pick one or two. It's a, it's a, you know, is it? Uh, it's a, uh, on, what's it called? Yeah, it's seeded it's one called. or two. Seeded one and two, yeah. I think, I think it's going to make for, I think it's going to make for a really interesting um, Super Bowl, to be honest with you. I mean, do you know, like, I only found this out today, but the um, Bengals were 201 to win the Super Bowl at the start of the season. They had the longest odds along with the Houston Texans. They had the same odds as the Houston Texans to win the Super Bowl. So talk about the underdog. And I heard today on another podcast that actually Vegas took more bets at the start of the season for the Texans to win the Super Bowl than they did for the Bengals to win the Super Bowl. So like, you know, we all knew the Texans were terrible. You know what I mean? Though? But people were still more willing to bet on the Texans to win it. Then they were to back. Then they were to back the Bengals at the start of the year. It's perfect. That's, that's um, oh, oh well, well. I was just about to say we do have somebody else who I was going to. I just said I was going to bring him in with a, a big yeah. intro, but uh, he just appeared out of nowhere. If those that are watching will see that JP has just magically appeared out of nowhere. Those that are listening, you can't see it, but I'm telling you, JP's just appeared out of nowhere. Um, yeah, well, I mean, you know, we, we, we haven't really finished with game one, um, so I don't really want to come on to game two yet, JP, because I have a feeling you might have a few things to say. Um, but let's um, let's go on to your thoughts on game one. Uh, you know, yeah. I'm sure you've just heard what, what myself, Mark and Jamie have been chatting about there. I say myself, what Mark and Jamie have been chatting about there. Um, so, so what was your take on, on uh, the Bengals versus the the Chiefs last night. I mean, I think it's the result nobody expected. We have to, you know, we have to start there. I, I don't know anybody that wasn't a Bengals fan that didn't think they could win that game, that did think they could win that game, rather. Um, bizarre game of football, in all honesty. I don't know what the hell happened to the Chiefs in the second half. That is arguably the worst I've seen Mahomes play, other than maybe the first half of the Super Bowl two years ago, but I wish he'd done it the opposite way around. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I I think that was full credit to the Bengals. I, I said in the, I said in both chats last night, um, you got to credit the coaching staff. They adjusted and they adjusted really well. Um, they're on a hide into nothing up to half time. That call that ended the first half with the short throw to um, short throw to Tyreek Hill. That that there's always plays in every game, and obviously we're going to come on to the other game. But there's always plays in every game where you feel like that. Could genuinely be quite important. That could be key, um, and I, I felt it at the time, but not with the not with the feeling that the Bengals would come back. I thought it gave them an opportunity to come back, and I think the interesting thing um, about them is they seem to be a very second half team at the minute. They, they've started near enough every playoff game quite badly, and then come back in the second half. Joe Burrow, you can't say enough about Joe Burrow. That is, 
that star was born there. I think. I think you have to say that if he wasn't already. I think. Um, yeah. I Hello. Think- yeah i mean you know you have to say he's vaulted himself into that top tier with two performances and he's won away from having something that a lot of quarterbacks don't have and equally in a lot of quarterbacks that are considered to be some of the best in the game. So I can't give him enough credit. The Chiefs have got a lot of uh, questions to answer now because I don't know where that second half came from. They looked about as badly prepared as I've ever seen them. It felt a very Andy Reid playoff performance. He used to have this in Philadelphia. They would lose games that they had no right to lose. And I thought he kind of kicked that habit when he went to Kansas because they won a lot of games that, Perhaps they shouldn't have, but that was that was a return to bad form last night. But yeah, cracking game. Um, I obviously want the winner of that to win the Super Bowl now as well. But we'll uh, we'll come up to that, I'm sure. So one thing I want to just leave with before we leave this topic and move on to your game, JP, is I like to have a look at the teams who have been knocked out of the playoffs at this stage and think, okay, these are the teams that made the playoffs but didn't quite make it. And obviously, I'm invested in the radar, so we're reloaded. You know, they went. McDaniels and Ziegler, and we'll not go into that yet because we're going to come on to coaching Hayas now. You know what I mean? But obviously, you've got the Titans who were knocked out. You know what I mean? You've got um, you've got the Pittsburgh Steelers who were knocked out. You know, then you've got um, now you've got the Chiefs. You know who were fell by the wayside as well as my team. And when I look at the Chiefs, I think out of those four teams, you know what I mean? I've just discussed the Raiders, the Steelers, and the Titans. I think the Chiefs are going to be back next year. There was enough that I saw from them where I think they're going to be a good team. For example, that first half, that offensive line unit that we talked about at the start of the year, which was mostly rookies and first-year players, mm-hmm. you know, apart from Orlando Brown, who was bought in, and who will extend, that offensive line looked tremendous. You know what I mean? Though? Yeah. Kelsey's obviously Kelsey. He's got way more juice in the tank. Tyree Kill is just a freak, a cheat code. Patrick Mahomes is a cheat code. You know, the seem of the seem to have got something out of a run game when McKinnon came in and stuff yeah. like that. Like, and, and that the, the, the big question for them still is is who's that number two wide receiver? And if they were to go get somebody in the draft at the number two wide receiver, given this is a really deep class, I still think the Chiefs are going to be in the top four or five teams for another Super Bowl run next year. I don't know about what you think. Yeah, they're a well-run team. Um, they keep getting things right off the field. Uh, you can't rule them out. And at the end of the day, in the, in the NFL, as long as you've got a quarterback, you can compete. They've, argu- they've arguably got one of the top three quarterbacks in the league, depending on how you how you weight it. But yeah, can you rule them out? Well, they've still got Mahomes. Well, like you've just named all the players there, and the O line's an underrated part. I said halfway through the game. This is a trench fight, and the Chiefs are battering them. The O line was battering the Bengals' D line, and, and vice versa. They were having a great, you know, they had a great first half. I just cannot explain what happened in the second, whether it was a confidence thing. They almost seem to be better chases of games. It's it's kind of weird, you know. Again, they, they, when they found themselves behind, they managed, you know, they managed to force it into overtime. There's all sorts of things that they've been doing like that all season. I don't know whether it's a mentality thing. It can be hard once you've climbed the mountain to keep doing it. Um, and that's the only thing that will stop them, I think, is just that desire to keep winning. But having gone out like this, you would think it would, you would think it would, um, 
sort of give them motivation going into next season. So yeah, I, I think they'll be back definitely. Yeah, especially because this is the third successive year doing the AFC Championship. Obviously, they won the Super Bowl first time, got to the Super Bowl second time, lost to the Bucks, and now they're out of this one. But I mean, you look at different teams like Bucks last year, Rams this year. They're all kind of going, all right, let's just go win now. Look at the wide receivers that are on free agency this year. Devontae Adams, Chris Godwin, Juju Smith-Schuster. Alan Robinson, like, Michael Gallup. Alan Robinson, there's better Kirk. ones down the list. Christine Kirk. I mean, there's like 10 top wide receivers. You don't even have to go to the draft. You could literally just get one of them in. There's your second wide receiver right there. They could literally just go win now and just go, yeah, we want Chris Godwin. Imagine Chris Godwin with Mahomes throwing at him. I wonder when if I think... they wish they tried harder to get OBJ now because they were in the race along with the Packers. And then, yeah. well, he was supposed to go in there, wasn't he? That was the chat at one point. And then it came back, oh, no, he's actually going to the Rams. I wonder if they wish they just pushed a little harder. Would it have made a difference last night? The one thing I would say about the second receiver thing, I agree, by the way. I think, we, I think we've talked about that as a talking point pretty much all season. But Mahomes doesn't seem to want to throw it to people other than Kelsey and, and Hill, neither. Like, there was plays, you saw the little bust up on the sideline last night where, like, Hardman's going, I'm, you know, I've got the angle, I'm open, throw me the damn ball. And I know every receiver thinks they're open, but he, he was on a lot of plays and he wasn't looking his way. So it, it's not just about getting that player, it's about Mahomes having faith in that guy to deliver as well. And I don't think he has that in the other guys at the minute. I think it's weird as well, because I thought Hardman had a pretty solid year. I mean, I don't know if that was just me thinking he always seemed to have big games, but I was just looking at his stats for the season. He only had two touchdowns all year. I, I, I don't know. I thought he was having a bigger year, but obviously obviously not. 693 yards, two touchdowns, one of them being against Pittsburgh in the playoffs. I don't think they've ever got the production out of Miko Hardman that they wanted, but I don't. I think that Chiefs fans overrated him coming in. I saw him with George, and he was always like a speed threat and a deep threat, and a really good kick returner. I thought. I think they kind of forced a hand when there was the whole Tyree Kill thing, of we need to find some speed, and he was a little bit overdrafted. But I think he's going to be a solid player for them. But I don't think he's ever going to be a number two wide receiver. I think when I look at the teams who are been and gone out that, that EFC side. I fully expect the Bills to be back. Josh Allen's just phenomenal. I fully expect the Chiefs to be back. They were just talked in depth at what they've got. I expect the Chargers at some point to improve because they've got the quarterback. The Steelers are going to be without Ben Roethlisberger. What they're going to do with quarterback now, albeit they've got a very, very good coaching set up there. You know what I mean? The Titans, they're going to be, you know, like the that, that conference, as in the EFC South, is going to get better in a hurry. You're going to have Lawrence there. You know what I mean? Or you're going to have the re-emergence of the Texans with what they've got. You know what I mean? And, of course, the Colts are still a very good team. So, I'm, I'm still on the fence on whether the Titans will be able to come back into it next year. I would have thought they would have this year, though, you know? The Raiders are in a rebuild. Um, yeah, I think, but, but I think that the Chiefs and the Bales are definitely going to be there again. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned uh, Jamie that uh, Devontae Adams is a free agent. He's not. I think it's it's done. I think he's, he's he's basically 
coming to meet up with Derek Carr. And I, don't, I don't think Devontae Adams is going to hit the market, if truth be told. He's going to get, at the very least, yeah. he's going to get tagged and traded. There's no way that Devontae Adams, get all idea of Devontae Adams hitting the open market <laughs> out your head. No one's going to let him walk for now and get nothing in return. At the very least, he's going to get tagged and traded. It's quite surprising because I, I thought he was uh, coming to the books with Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> if you manage to follow Brady with Rodgers, we may as well just close the league. I'll tell you what we can do. We'll go on to your team later, Jamie, because we'll do likewise. We'll look at the teams that made the playoffs. And with you, obviously, some massive news about Tom Brady. Well, is he? Still not confirmed. Probably, confirmed. probably looks like he's retiring. Let's see what that looks like for leaving your books as a result of that. Because I imagine Matt wants to move on to the Rams game now, don't you, since we've got John here? Yeah, I think I literally was going to just hand it over to to JP. Um, you know, um, the floor is yours, mate. Um, I know you've, I know you'll have some. You've touched on it in our group chat that you, you've you've got uh, your opinions on why the 49ers lost the game, shall we say? Um, so uh, over to you, mate. Fill your boots. <laughs> well, as you can probably tell from my demeanour, I have calmed down quite considerably <laughs> since uh, since like three a.m. last night. Um, I'll start with the I'll start with the Rams because I think it's I, I think I've probably been a little bit unfair in like I've been very critical of the 49ers. I haven't said what the Rams did well. I think it was a classic game. I think it was an old school football game. There's a lot of physicality there, even though both teams are known for the you know the passing offenses and explosive offenses. I thought it was a very old school proper NFC Championship game. It reminded me of the. Niners Seahawks games back in the day, and not just because we lost it as well. But um, yeah, I, I thought it was a really good game. The Rams deserve a hell of a lot of credit. You know, they haven't been able to find a way to beat us. I think it was five times in a row, maybe six. I don't know, but you know, they've always been relatively close games. Last night they just had a little bit more. Stafford probably played his best football down the stretch after a meet after looking at the end of the regular season like he was shot, to be honest. And he still doesn't look quite right. There was a few. Throws last night that we're coming up a little bit short. I think he would have made in normal circumstances. Whether he's carrying an injury, I don't know. But I thought he was tough. He showed a lot of heart. Um, without going into without, because I'll come on to the Niners. I think one of the things the Rams did well, they got the run game going. They haven't been able to do that against us in the past. But Cam Akers had a good game. Sony Michelle probably didn't like the stat sheet up, but he ran physically and he made sure that he got three. Three yards of carry there or thereabouts. I thought he was consistent. And it made it a lot easier for them to play their game. A lot of the time, what we've had when we've played them, we've got them into third and longs. And we've been, you know, we've been able to rush Stafford and we've been able to get to him. Last night they were making it more manageable. And as a consequence, they were on the field a hell of a lot more. We looked knackered by the end of the fourth. And it was largely because they were I think they ran like over about I think they got to about 70 odd plays by the end of the game. So, I mean, they were on the field a lot on offense. I thought they played, I thought they managed the game pretty well, despite McVeigh losing all his timeouts, which was slightly bizarre. Um, again, I'll, I'll come on to a bit more about that. Um, sorry, Matt, go on. No, I was just going to say, the, the reason why I love having both of you on is for two different reasons. JP, you've coached the game, you know the, the plays, and, and you see different things to what I see. And Mark's obsession with football in general and, and not just the players it's the, the back office staff and things like that brings to me two key elements that me jamie and tom don't really have when we're on this show we just talk bollocks so it, it's 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 nice nice to have 
both of you on with your knowledge and it's it's not the same knowledge you both have you're as i said you coach the game for a, a while and mark's obsession is is everything so it's just it's just <laughs> nice to hear so that's why i wanted to interrupt there mate. so sort of apologies crack on first of all is tom in witness protection where is he like, <laughs> where, i can where? either confirm nor deny where tom higgins is <laughs> but yeah um it was a bizarre game of football a bit like the other one i, I almost put in the chat at one point i don't think either coach wants to win this game because McVeigh was giving his timeouts away like he had six of them. And and coming on to the Niners, we seem determined to lose that game. Um, there's been a lot of times this year where the Niners have done well in spite of themselves. I think you could probably argue the entire playoff run has been a little bit like that. Certainly last week was. Last night, I guess the luck just ran out. You know, there's a lot of things you can point to uh tactically in the game we didn't run the ball anywhere near as well as we have the entire season you know like that's that was a big thing for me we couldn't get anything going on the ground last night um it put the ball in the hands of garoppolo and people are going to talk about that last interception and it was a horrible throw and in a lot of ways it's the right way for garoppolo to go out it was a bad decision under pressure he shouldn't really have thrown that ball up there. To me, it was second down. Yeah, okay, you're gonna need, you know, you're gonna need about 28 yards, but you'd sooner that than give the game away on one play, which is what he did. But I'm gonna say this now: there's a lot of talk about that interception, and there's a lot of talk about the drop one by uh, Jaquaski Tart as well. Both horrible plays to look at and watch. As a 49ers fan in particular, it's like having a knife through the heart. But that isn't why the 49ers lost the game. The 49ers lost the game because they couldn't control the time of possession. They couldn't run the ball. Um, we were we couldn't stop them on third and long because Demico Ryans doesn't know how to call defense on third and long. He's a he's been a very good defensive coordinator. The stats bear it out. As much as I ever go at him every week, we've had a good defense this year. But third and long, we do not know how to stop teams, and it showed last night. We had them in third and elevens, third and twelves, and we were giving them up constantly. Why on earth you would have Cooper Cup and single coverage on third down? I have absolutely no. I'm not even a defensive coach. Defense is not my side of the ball, but that seems logical to me. Your opposition's best player. Why on earth are you leaving him in single coverage against your nickel corner, K1? You know, like it just seemed bad strategy to me. And I just, there was a lot of it where you're just sitting there going, we've coached this away. And I don't even think it was individuals. There's focus on Garoppolo today. It was probably his last game in San Francisco. There's focus on Tart dropping the ball. You know, there's focus on a few things. Kittle didn't have his best game. As I said, we couldn't run the ball. But it comes back to me to, and I said this about the, uh, you know, the Chiefs and Bengals game as well. There was a sequence in the game where I just thought, shit, it's turned against us. And we were still winning at this point. We stop the Rams on fourth down near midfield. So we get the ball. First down, we run the ball. It was actually one of our best runs of the day. We got nine yards. I think it was Debo. Debo runs for nine yards, second and one. Calls a straight ahead out of the I formation, which we never run out of the I formation. We're not an I formation team. He goes backwards a yard. Okay, third and two. You know, you're not going to get success on every run. Third and two, he calls this bizarre play that he suddenly seems to be obsessed with. Where he puts Trent Williams in the backfield. And Trent Williams is fucking great. I'm not I'm not having a go at Trent Williams. Trent Williams is a damn good player. But motions Trent Williams as though it's a sweep and then gives use check the ball right up the middle, straight into the middle of Aaron Donald. Like you ain't gonna get two yards through the middle against the Rams. You have to be smarter than that. So that led to fourth and about one and a half, and we punted. And that was where I just thought, yeah, we're done. Because 
it was frustrating, and I'm sorry, I know I'm going on a bit here. I could see eyes glazing over on the other three, but I do think this is important. For fourth and one earlier in the season, we were we were in um we'll be at home. I don't know, whatever the first game was this season. Fourth and one, we were in a similar position. We called a play action pass to Debo Samuel, scored a touchdown, and basically put the game away. I'm not saying we could have done it again, but the intent to go for that and the intent to win the game, not just coach not to lose it was different. And last night we played not to win, not to lose rather. We played very conservatively, very safely. And I get it because it was a low scoring game, but that was just the moment where I went, that's it. And then immediately we give up a big play on the next play, you know, and, and there was there was a ton of other, other things, but that three play sequence to me was just dismal. And that's something that Cal Shanahan has to improve as a coach you know he's a he is a good coach he, he you know he can run a good offense and he's been successful with us you can't say he hasn't been he's been to a super bowl and an nfc championship game he's done okay but there are there are parts of his game where you look at it and you go there's things he has to improve here and i think the same is true of mcveigh you know everybody's crediting him this morning but i feel like he almost lost that game for himself last night so i think both came out with questions to answer but obviously the losing team is always going to get more focus anyway sorry i've talked about half the podcast there but <laughs> no i mean i i was just going to quickly say um in regards to it you think if that was a regular season game at four and one you probably would have gone for it it's the pressures of the a of the nfc championship yeah. Yeah, it's the absolutely. pressures of playing your biggest rivals away in their stadium for a chance at the Super Bowl. If that was the regular season game against the Rams, you would have gone for it. Yeah. And I think they were just worried about, oh, if, if we don't get this, if we go for it and we don't get it, we're gonna we're gonna mess it up and we're gonna, gonna give them the field position. And that's that's fine. I get that. But like and I don't like it when people say, oh analytics says you should do this, that or the other. It's all about the flow of the game. But I, I really felt like you get that, that's a big momentum boost. That, that's yeah, literally exactly. the games now you're going to score a touchdown or a field no goal because the momentum's did, with you. The Rams were going to get yardage. Like, even after punting, they basically got the punt yardage back on one play. That's That can happen with an offense like the Rams, you know? I just, yeah, it was a bad decision. And unfortunately, it's been a season full of them. He's got away with a lot of them because we've been able to come up with some miraculous shit towards the end of games. And he deserves credit for that. But he does put himself in these situations. And last night, as I say, the look just ran out. I'm gutted, obviously. I, I think you can tell from the way I'm analysing it and steadily getting more annoyed. But I am genuinely gutted for two reasons. One, I thought it was a very winnable game. And two, I think it's a very winnable Super Bowl for the NFC team. Not because I think the Bengals are bad, but I think they're beatable. I don't think the Chiefs, had they got there, would be beatable. You know, that's I know that sounds daft because the Chiefs have lost, but it, it's that... It's not in your mind. You would think the Chiefs would romp away with it. So I'm gutted for that reason, but I, I can't be that unhappy because how the fuck did we even get there? We, we were three and five at the end of October. We were an awful football team. And we we got within basically two plays of the Super Bowl, which is mental, really. But it's just, think of it's it. just a horrible second best, second best team in the NFC. You're going to be, what, draft pick 29? Well, we give it away, didn't we? So, but I mean that that yeah. helped it away because now we're give, only giving a late first away, where we might have been given at one stage. It looked like we were giving a top ten pick away, and that would have been a yeah. fucking disaster. But uh, yeah, you would have taken it at the start of the season. If somebody said to you at the start of the season, you'll go to the NFC Championship, you'd lose, but you go in well, there. You, I, you'll take I interrupt. That. 
when we did our predictions show back in September before week one, JP commented on our show and he said, I think the Niners will get to the NFC Championship game. Bloody hell, you did well to find that. I must have been feeling very optimistic. <laughs> I, I, was, I, didn't, I didn't know you were coming on, uh, so I was going to save it for uh, for in a couple of weeks' time after the Super Bowl because I've, I've made a list of people who predicted what. that going into the year. I did raise some questions about the team and all the questions you, appeared again. You, were, you, were, I was, you couldn't have been more right. You got to an FC Championship game. So, uh, mis, never mind Mr. Mystic Jory. It's, 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 it's Mystic JP, I think. <laughs> Mystic Cripple. <laughs> Go on, Mystic Jordy. So when I think about this game though, right? I mean, this Rams pass rush was fearsome going in. You're talking about a team that had 50 sacks this season. I think that was third or fourth best in the NFL for sacks this year, this Rams. And you managed to stave them off all the way until that third and 13 play. But yeah. Raheem Morris called up a blitz in that play. And Aaron Donald, you know, like the like, look. Regardless of Tom Brady and anything else, the best player in the NFL for the last fucking five years has been Aaron Donald. If you were to go, who's the, who's the best player in the NFL, regardless of position? Never mind, like, you know, who's in the glory positions. Who Who is the best player in the NFL? It's got to be Aaron, Aaron Donald. There's not another player like him. He's just, sometimes you see him lined up at edge and he does these stunts where he comes in. Other times you see him lined up as, as, as a three-tech and he's, Bowling for a double team. Then they'll line him up his nose and he's getting deep penetration. Oh, that sounds a bit fucking dumb. <laughs> From the nose position. Like, this guy is just an absolute... Like, for me, he's the best defensive player ever to play in the NFL. I swear to God. I've never seen a player who's as disruptive as Aaron Donald in the NFL. And you can put Lawrence Taylor on that. You can put whoever you want. You know what I mean? Like, Aaron Donald is an absolute freak of nature and how he isn't like five or six time defensive player of the year is beyond me but he's just not but that Raheem Morris on that call you know just goes to show just how what what a game it can be and what a championship game can be of fine margins you can dial up blitzes you can dial up blitzes you cannot get home with them but if you get home with one you know what I mean it, it can change a game it just Goes to show just how important that call was for the blitz on third and thirteen, you know. Yeah, massively. I think um <clears throat> Raheem Morris has done himself a real favour this year. Um, I've not seen his name mentioned for any of the remaining coaching vacancies, but I'm surprised because as much talent as there is on that defense, he's getting a lot out of them as well. And he's getting it out of beyond Donald and Ramsey and the the names that people recognize, and Miller, obviously, they only got it mid season. It's not no names, but they're not. It's not like they're a team of all pros on defense. He's getting a lot out of them, you know. Um, I'm surprised he's, there isn't more interest in him. He's What's done that? tremendously when you think he came in and he yes. lost his starting corner and his starting safety to the Cleveland Browns. You know, this Rams team are built so well. They're just built so well. They literally, what they do, right, is they, they gamble away their top picks to bring improving talent. Then they draft incredibly well in the middle rounds. Like, I mean, the starters that they find every year in round four and five. But then they're prepared to let them walk because they know they'll get compensation picks and they'll just find them again. And it's just like, it's like Les Sneed is just like a fucking wizard. You know what I mean? No, as, as like a GM. Because that team hasn't had a first round pick for like ever. 
But the start <laughs> of the routinely finding rounds five, six, seven, four, it's just they're going to still end up with about eight or nine draft picks this year because they're going to get another three in compensation picks. They're going to get probably a fourth for the safety who went to Cleveland, probably a fourth for the corner that went to Cleveland. Michael Brock has went to, um, to, to Detroit. He's going to bring back maybe a fourth or fifth. You know what I mean? And they're just, they're just, they just play the compensatory market so well, and they just draft unbelievably well at the back end of the of the of, of day three. You know, that's it. If that's how you're going to build your team, you have to absolutely hit on probably ninety percent of your mid round picks, and there ain't many teams that can do that. But they do yeah. it. They get contributions from everywhere. Not just that, John. The two players who influenced the game most last night were homegrown players. Aaron Donald was taken by them in the first round and Cooper Cup was taken by them. Mm-hmm. Now, Stafford was a big agent free. Like, it was a big, you know, like trade signing. So it was Ramsey and stuff like that. But this team is still made up of a staple of what they can do. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, it's one of them as well. And we've said it on pods before. With how they're doing it, they have to succeed. But... They are doing so. You can't argue with it. You know, there's plenty of teams that have took the risks and built a so-called dream team and flamed out. You know, going back to the Eagles many years ago with like Mike Vick and Vince Young and all these players and uh, Asamoah and all them and did nothing. You know, it, it is a risk, but you know, maybe in today's NFL it's less of a risk. I think we said in midweek as well. One of the big reasons for that now, the trade deadlines a lot later in the year, so. When you, you can grab someone like Von Miller in week eight because the D- Denver have given up on him or aren't going to pay him again, you know, you can grab a Jalen Ramsey who wants out of Jacksonville. You know, you can do those sorts of things now that maybe they weren't open to you before. And they've they've leveraged it better than most teams do, without a doubt. I've got their roster here in front of us. If you look at that offense, okay, the starting wide receiver was a third round draft pick in 17. Then there was Van Jefferson, who was a second round draft pick in 20. Then there's Dave Edwards, the left guard, who was a fifth-round draft pick in 2019. Then Brian Allen, their starting centre, who was a it was a fourth-round draft pick in 2018. Their right tackle, Rob Haverstein, was a second-round draft pick in 2015. Tyler Higby, 2016 fourth-round player. Then you move on to defence. Their starting nose tackle was a fourth-round player that they drafted. Then of course you've got Aaron Donald, who was taken. Then you've got a strong safety who was a seventh round draft pick. Taylor Rapp was a second round draft pick. This team is littered with mid round draft picks, so they seem to get something out of. And it makes me sick that our team has spunk in all these first round draft picks on players that don't even make a second contract. And here's the Rams who are finding gems consistently, you know what I mean, in later rounds, so that they're plugging in and starting. It's unbelievable the amount of seventh-round draft picks and fourth- and fifth-round draft picks that make this roster. It's just draft wizardry. <laughs> They've got that, like, um, early 2000s Patriots and sort of mid-2000s Ravens thing about them where they're just well-run football-wise, and that's what keeps them. It isn't really the individual talent of the players, although they have got some incredible players. It's that that keeps them there. They can afford to keep certain players around because they're comfortable letting a John, what was his name? John Johnson or Josh Johnson that went to the Browns? You know, they're comfortable letting a player like that go because they go, well, okay, but we don't actually need him, especially not for that much money. And it also frees them up to then go, 
okay, OBJ is available. Let's go and get him. You know, th- these are things that good teams are able to do. And yeah, as much as it does pain me, but I think maybe we're going to see a new era in the NFC West. Maybe maybe the Niners Rams is going to be the new, uh, you know, the new Niners Seahawks of years past. Maybe that's where we're going to be. But we can't roll the Cardinals out either. You know, um, the only what team I've written up there is the Seahawks. Sorry, Jordan. That's uh, but I think you're knackered until Carroll retires, to be mm-hmm. honest. Let's look at the teams who have got out of the playoffs. The Eagles made the playoffs. They've got so much draft capital. Do you think and they're going to be back next year? You know three mean? first round. Sorry, they got three first rounders. I think three first rounders. Yeah, and you think that they're going to be back again? The Cowboys. They're entering cap turmoil. They're going to lose Dalton Schultz. They're going to lose Michael Gallup. And with the emergence of the Eagles in that East Division, we don't know what's going to happen on there. Tom Brady's retiring from the books. <laughs> Gronk will go with him. You know what I mean? No, good luck getting any of them cheap free agent deals that you were getting to come play with Tom. You know, Chris Godwin will be gone. You know, Leonard Fournette will probably go. That team, who's going to be their quarterback? I, I don't hold much hope for the books being back. You know what I mean? No, like, and, and then and then you go and throw and you're like, can somebody emerge from the um, <laughs> NFC North? You know, will we see somebody like the Bears, who I think made a really good high on Eva Flus? Yeah. Will we see somebody? Will we see somebody like the Vikings, even though yeah, they yet a higher might look like it's going to be Jim Harbaugh. You know, like because Green Bay Packers are going in, like Green Bay Packers haven't got the cash. They're one of the poverty franchises of the NFL because they're they're public owned. They're the only public owned team in the NFL, so they're going to lose Rodgers. Devante Adams are probably going to cap like tag them and trade them. They're going to have to. You know what I mean? Or like, so I think the NFC is less wide open than the EFC at this moment in time. I do think that the 49ers, they have got questions about Garoppolo. I think he's off. I think Lance comes in. Yeah. But, the, but the Seahawks aren't a good side anymore. I, I expect I expect the Rams to still be there again next year. Who will be competing against them? I don't really know. I might stick an name out now and say, I bet you the Philadelphia Eagles come back with a vengeance next year. How can they not? With all that talent that they've got, you know, like coming through in the draft soon. The biggest problem the Eagles have got is no quarter. Well, not no quarterback, but they haven't got a quarterback on the same level as the other teams. That's that's ultimately what's let them down this year as well. If the Eagles still get Watson, which there were rumours to well, be in from on yeah. trade deadline, there was rumours that they were kicking the tires on Deshaun Watson at trade deadline. You put the Eagles; they give away two first round picks here for Deshaun Watson. You and you you stick Deshaun Watson there, and then they use that other draft pick. That team's gonna that team's gonna look good in a hurry. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Uh, that's the advantage. That's a nice thing they've got because they've got so much draft capital. If there is somebody they can go out and get, if it is a Deshaun Watson, obviously we've still got issues to resolve, and it feels like we've been saying that for like eighteen months now. But yeah, I mean, if um, if it does end up like that. And there's an opportunity to go get him. They can do that. They have the flexibility for that now. So I, I wouldn't write the books off just yet, but I, I do wonder what they're going to do next because Kyle Trask ain't it. Like, he is I, it. We I all think, know it is. I don't think he can do it at the pros. Um, I really, really don't. I'd be, I, You know, I could be wrong. I, I've been wrong before. I mean, not many times, but I have been wrong before. But, like, yeah, I, I'd, be, I'd be surprised. But then again... With Brady out the picture, do they do they have the flexibility to go and get somebody? If they go and get Rogers, then 
Jesus no, it, 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 it's one of them. I mean, like I said, Gronk would go most likely Fournette. But I mean, you've got the franchise tag. Who would you put it on? Would you put it on Godwin? I know we were talking about last season before, obviously, we brought everybody yeah, back. You need a high franchise tag because you tagged them last year, so the franchise tag figure goes up if you're tagging them the second time. Yeah, you, you, so you that's what I mean. Would, would you then tag Leonard Fournette instead? I, I think you're probably going to be losing Godwin, mate. I think you're going to have to get used to no, that. Yeah, that, that's fine. Yeah, because we've got Mike Evans, and that was the whole thing we were talking about last year. <laughs> you've got Mike Evans, you've got Chris Godwin. Like, why do you need both? Then, obviously, you've got Scotty Miller coming up. You've got Jalen Darden, who's hardly even had a one this year he's got great speed he's a great rookie wide receiver but he's hardly said anything scotty miller was injured most of the year i think he's a great he'll be a great second you know just to rush down on his scooter and you never know what can come in in the draft trask for a year if it goes wrong we'll get a high draft pick and go for a quarterback yeah Nothing and that risk. might be what they end up doing that you know that honestly might be what they end up doing depending on where the team sits at the end of the year um, you know, Chats could go in and win it all. If Brady does retire, and I'm not actually convinced as most people are that he will, I think I, I think people are trying to wish it into existence, and I do I do understand why, but I don't know. Like it seems more likely than not at this point. But it's like I saw someone say on Twitter the other day, he'll probably play another three years now, just to spite everybody who says he's retiring. Um, yeah, looking looking across the NFC, then I mean. There's a lot of teams in a state of flux, and I think that's why, as you say, Mark, it is kind of uh, it's less open in a lot of ways because I think the teams that are being run well are pretty obvious, and then there are teams that have got big decisions to make. The Saints have just been throwing a massive curveball with Peyton deciding to leave. I think that could really put them in trouble, especially if they go for Dennis Allen because, I mean, you guys are Raiders fans. You, you may remember the Dennis Allen era in Oakland. I don't know, but... I know, I know. Not everybody, you know, you never was bad the second time, maybe unless you. Well, I'm trying to think of somebody that. Let's go that chunk for Josh McDaniels. I mean, I'm having a look here at the books lost because Brady leaving is going to make such a huge difference, Jamie. Mm, definitely, Chris, yeah. Chris, Chris Godwin is God, yeah. his his spot track value at this moment in time is 18 million per season. You know what I mean, though. 18. He, he's he's an 18 million pound per season wide receiver. And you've got Mike Evans, 20. Then you've got your starting centre, Ryan Jensen, who's due to hit the free agent. Then you've got Carlton Davis. His spot track value is 19 million. You know what I mean? So that's a hell of a number. Rob Gonkowski, I think he'll retire with um, Brady. Yeah. You've got Jordan Whitehead, your safety, who's going to be hitting the market. Then you he go up, you've got the he's, he's the only one I care about. Keep Whitehead. Whitehead had a great... Great you've season. got Ndamukong Sue, you've got Alex Kappa, you're starting guard, you've got Leonard Fournette, you've got Will Goldston. You know, like it's you, you, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a um it's gonna be an interesting thing to see what happens in Tampa now that because also as well, you know, you know your GM Jason Licht, he mm -hmm. couldn't find a starting quarterback until until he was were wasting picked <laughs> or he was with throwing darts at James Winston. You know what I mean? <laughs> At least he we wasn't had James. himself. It could have been worse. You know, been a lot I mean, of does people. it bring does it bring questions? Does Bruce Arians stay? Bruce Arians might just go. You know what it is? Brady's gone. It's not going to be good for a while ago. I'm going to lose these other four or five players with him. Does he just go now as well? I think it's going to be fascinating to see what happens in Tampa. It must be nerve wracking for a Tampa fan. 
I think two or three are going to stay. And the two I would want to stay. Because I think Rojo's also up to leave as well. I think his contract's also up. So that's Ronald Jones and Fournette. You've got to keep one of them. Fournette based on form. Franchise tag. Franchise tag Leonard Fournette and keep Whitehead. And then if the rest have to go because of cap, fair enough. You've got a decent free safety. And then you've got your running back. Kyle Trask. It might be one of those where we just really run heavy. Leonard Fournette can do it. <laughs> Who knows? But, yeah, it, it is going to be last, interesting. Like, I mean, if you can find a feasible start at QB with the Falcons and the Panthers and the Saints there, who would know, you know? Look at Jameis back. Yeah, he could if you really want. I mean, we could all do with a laugh. I said we could after last night. Let, let, let's, let, let's let Matt move us on to coaching high as before. No, yeah, I'd just say we've, we've we've got about 15 minutes left and we did want to talk about the coach merry-go-round that seems to be taking place right now. Uh, I think the first one for me to talk about would be um, the Saints. What's happened there? You know, uh, I think that was a bit of a shock. Um us to me um and then and then we'll just slowly move around the league what's been agreed and what's been or what's still to to, to come out i guess so um i'll go hey, to jamie gone. jamie first in as uh he's in wasn't your Thank division God. yeah hate him glad he's gone hope he gets it by a bus on the way out I'm <laughs> <laughs> i mean do you, do you want to be a little bit more reserved or <laughs> hate him <laughs> Um, Do we think it's Dennis yeah. Allen's job there? I mean, they're going to want to keep that defence together. I pretty much held them together. Do we think that they're going to keep Dennis Allen there? And just Dennis Allen, them? though. I mean, that's not a that's not a hire that's going to sell season tickets, is it? Jesus Christ! Oh, <laughs> yeah. Top John, you know they might as well keep James up Winston well will sell season tickets. Don't worry. Okay. They might as well keep up was working well for them, which was. Yeah, I, I get it, and I think you're right. I think that is what they'll do, but oh, I don't like it. They're going to be fucked like anyway with the cap situation and. Like how little ammunition they've got. I mean, they're going to fall into the abyss for about three or four years, and they might as well do it with Dennis Allen, who's built a good defense. You know what I mean? They could always just give Taysom Hill another fifteen-year contract or something, <laughs> just to just to straighten the gap out. But yeah, you, you, they're in trouble, and I think Peyton knows that, and I think that might be why he's walked away. I bet he's in Talk, Dallas next year. Talking of teams that give stupid contracts away, the Raiders. Um, the Raiders look like um, we'll be announcing our head coach this evening. Um, GM was announced yesterday. Um, it's going. I'll, I'll pass over to Mark in a sec. But it's going for. Um, it's the Patriots, isn't it? Basically. Um, so, uh, what, how, how do you feel about it, Mark? I'm all right with it. I give the McDaniel hire a C. I give the Dave Ziegler hire an A. I think we've probably hired the best come GM out a lot of them. You know, I know a lot of us wanted Dodds from the Colts, but Ziegler's an amazing talent evaluator on his own right. He's been in charge of the PR personnel for the um, Patriots and a lot of the free agents that have done amazingly well on has come through his workings and his scouting. What I'm interested in is, I know that a lot of like a lot of the pundits are jumping on this, Bill Belichick coaches don't do very well, all this kind of stuff. And when you look at it, you know, like there's only five playoff appearances for Bill Belichick coaches and four of them are Bill O'Brien. You know <laughs> what I mean? Uh, so like you kind of think like, but the thing is with Josh McDaniels is though, and the reason why I'm all right with Josh McDaniels coming in is I don't think he's going to try to replicate the Patriots in the West. I think what he is, he's an offensive-minded coordinator who can build several different forms of offense. 
He's done that in his time at the periods. He's done two tight end offenses. This year, he's had running back heavy offenses. When he had Randy Moss, that had a wide receiver offense. When they had Brady, they were doing like a short game offense. McDaniels, I think, will come across and will create his own identity as opposed to trying to be the Bill Belichick of the of the AFC West. I think he will come out and adapt to what is needed. The question mark obviously arises is, well, what about his time in Denver? But look, this was 11 years ago and he was given complete control of Denver. He's been humbled. He went to the Rams. He then went to New England. And I think that I think it's a very solid, steady hire. It's a C from me. It's kind of like a, a decent, a decent hire. You know what I mean? He's young, he's offensive, he's a quarterback whisperer, he can run many different offenses. But the Ziegler hire for me is really the cream of the crop out of them two. I agree. We'll see how it goes. I I, I think it's everybody want I mean, yeah, that comment is a prime example. Everybody wants to criticize the the hiring of expatriates coaches because I mean the stats bear it out, and even the one that's the ones that have been successful, like Bill O'Brien having having four playoff appearances, is fucking wild. Um, I don't really know any other way to describe it, but yeah, I mean, I can see why they've done it, and his major move in Denver was pissing off the starting quarterback and trading him. Well, I don't think there'll be many Raiders fans too unhappy with that if he does that to Carr. The thing is, right, is is who will his hires be? So yeah. there's lots of tangible links to him. Mike McCoy, who was last seen in Elliott, the Chargers, he was his OC at Denver. Marty Morwig, who's just been fired from the from the from the uh, Ravens, was his defensive coordinator in Denver. I wouldn't be surprised to see him come in. Adam Gaze, you know, Adam fucking Gaze could be another <laughs> one who could who could come in as offensive coordinator. You know what I mean? Chad O'Shea at the Browns has got a tangible link to him. Joe Judge at the Giants could be a special yeah. teams coach. To run the special could, teams at quarterback sneaks. He could feasibly build a staff where you've got like, you know, Josh McDaniels, you might have more, uh, Mike McCoy or you might have Adam Gaze. It's going to be Josh McDaniels offense anyway. You know what I mean? So the guy who's in there is going to be like the Greg Olsen kind of thing, holding the clipboard, working yeah. with, with a positional group. So you could see like a Josh McDaniels, Adam Gaze, Marty Morwig, Joe Judge, kind of like, you know what I mean? Or kind of like, like which which would be three, three former head coaches in the NFL and a guy who many tipped to be a head coach at one point. I don't think it'll be the end of Gus Bradley. I cannot see if, if he wants to do anything. I just can't see him wanting to play a cover three defense. It's just, if he, take, if he goes, I'm building your own offense, but the defence will keep it the Patriots way. Marty Morwick, I think, would probably come in because he's got the Raiders tie because he used to be our linebacker coach as well, of course. Mm -hmm. So I can I can see I can see him coming in like, you know, and Marty Wilton in deal, sorry, you know. I think the thing about it for me is like, uh, if there's if nothing else, it's a style, it's a philosophy. And that's something the Raiders haven't really had in quite a while. It feels top down now. It doesn't feel like one side briefing against the other it doesn't feel like one man's got all the power like with Gruden it feels very much like okay we we know the way we want to be can we actually get there and I think for that reason I've got to give it some time to work out I'm skeptical but it, it's going to be interesting it'll make life interesting yes. obviously in that division as well they need offense 
because look at the teams that are in that division, especially if the Broncos do get Rodgers. That's, you know, you're going to need to start generating some points and that's probably a good reason to go for him. Um, I think out of all the Belichick Kyles, this is the one I would feel best about hiring because he has got his own identity and he does change that offense so much. The second thing is as well is, is um, if Dave Ziegler follows the Patriots way, I fully expect the Raiders to trade back in round one. The Bengals might trade up because they still need offensive line talent. I wouldn't be surprised if the Raiders don't make a pick at all in the first round of the draft this year. You know what I mean? Because I can see the, the Patriots way is to trade back and to trade back and to accumulate more picks. And I wouldn't be against that. I wouldn't be against the Raiders dropping back to like 31 or 32, allowing the Bengals to come up and get their offensive tackle at 22. We get another second round pick in the process and get somebody like Devontae Wyatt from, you know, like from, from Georgia or something like that to play defensive tackle. I'll be surprised. I was all in on us getting a wide receiver in round one. But Josh McDaniel, apart from Randy Moss, has never really played with big name wide receivers. I'm kind of thinking that will it will be somebody like Devontae Wyatt, somebody who's like this kind of like building block player, like you know, real lunch peel kind of player. Won't excite anybody. I think Dante Hightower is also a free agent from the Patriots. I'm gonna if there's a if there's a market to put money on Devontae Hightower being a, a radar next year, I'm backing it. You know what I mean? I think um, if you look at our last first round wide receiver, uh, I think we should probably avoid that uh, with, with how that happened and <clears throat> how that went how that went down with uh, Mr. Rooks. Um, I think we've, as we've got a few minutes left, I think we'll have a very very quick sweep around. What are the teams that are left? There's the Vikings, Bears, Dolphins, Eva Flus for the Bears is a shock yeah. because they've got Justin Fields. I would have thought they would have went offense, but Eva Flus is an excellent coach. And I think he's a good hire by them. Um, of course, the uh, the Giants have got Ben. Ma have, have, have the, the Giants have went out and they have went and hired uh, Brian Deerball. The interest, another interesting hire is Ben McAdoo going to the Panthers as their offensive coordinator. That was a fucking shock. You know what I mean? Though? So there's there's been a few moves there that I've mentioned. I don't know if if should we hit on the Giants quickly? Brian Deerball, what do we think? I, I quite like it. Again, it, it's it's a philosophy. They, they, again, and I'm talking offense here because I think offense is important, especially in today's NFL. We keep saying about DJ, keep writing him off, and you know, fair enough, not the most talented player, maybe, but it's hard to judge him because he's not been put in a consistent offensive philosophy. He hasn't been given the opportunity to develop. He won't get long here neither, but at least he's got something to work in that actually makes sense. We've seen it work. He's no Josh Allen, but it will be interesting to see what what he can come up with. I, I quite like it. I think it's a it's a bit of a splashy hire, but they tried to make the the solid hire last time. It blew up in the faces, so I can see why they've gone that route. I think every team's done that to a certain extent. The Bears have gone from hiring the offensive genius to kind of going back more to the the roots, if you know what I mean. A strong defense. I think that is a really good hire. Um, who else? I mean, Vikings is an interesting one because there's rumours Harbaugh's going there, and well, that could be interesting. He's he's going one of the only places colder in the world than Michigan. If he's going to fucking Minnesota, which is a bit bizarre, I thought I didn't think he would go to a team like Minnesota if he was going to go into 
back into the NFL, but maybe he doesn't think they're that far away. They've certainly got some talent, but yeah, I get the feeling he might inherit a team on the downslide there, and that's for somebody that's quite a short-term success at head coach. I don't know how that will go, um, if, if indeed it is him. The Jaguars search is a complete mess because Trent Bulky's there, worst GM in the National Football League, and I know there's a lot of competition for that, but trust me, the guy's a clown. Um, <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot going on. The Saints is going to be interesting. It does look like they're going to go Dennis Allen. The, te- the Texans are going to have Josh McCown, and I, I don't know what to think about that. That's, that's the equivalent to the 49ers ringing me up tomorrow and offering me the offensive coordinator job. I, I don't get that at all. Um, yeah, some, just one thing that has surprised me this year, there's there's less going on in terms of like the hires aren't happening as quickly as they usually do. Now, I don't know if that's teams trying to be a bit more considered or maybe it's because a lot of teams had um, GMs to hire as well. I don't know, but there's definitely not been um, as quick activity this year. The enemy hasn't had an interview, which is a bit of a surprise. Um as far as I'm aware, anyway. So, yeah, there's a lot of uh, interesting stuff going on, but you can't judge a coach higher until they've started coaching. This is the problem. You know, sometimes we, things we've thought would, would turn out dreadfully have turned out pretty well. Things we've thought would go great haven't. You know, Matt Najee looked like a genius two years ago, and now he's considered to be an idiot. You know, th- these are things that can turn in a moment. So, who knows? But it's going to be an interesting, uh, interesting year, I think, and it's... It's it's always nice to have that little bit of optimism if you're one of those uh, one of those teams. So good luck to them. <laughs> I think um, it's, I think this pretty much wraps that up. I think, um, and then we are pushed for a little bit of time. Um, do you, was that you saying you wanted to come in there, Jamie? No, I'm just saying he's wrapping up. I was oh, I thought, I thought you were like time. I thought you were saying come, come to me, come, come to me. So yeah, so I mean. What 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 I didn't ask you, JP, is are you happy with the season you've had? I know right now you're not happy with the result and things, but overall, uh, you know, he sort of touched on it earlier and said he you know he did well to get there. But do you see it as a successful season? Jesus, I'm going to have to try to do this quickly, aren't I? Um, I think the 49ers put a ceiling on this season when they traded up in the draft because it was always going to overshadow the team all year, and to a certain extent, it didn't which is good. I think there was a lot of issues before the season. There was things that were wrong with the roster that I go back and listen to our podcast. I pointed them out. With all that in mind, yes, it's been a successful year, but you can't help but be pissed off when you're three points away from the Super Bowl. I'm pr- and, and I'm going to say this, and I don't care if any Bengals come around in white hoods and burn my flat now. Um, okay. I, I think if we got to the Super Bowl, we we would have won it, and that's the. I think that's the bit that's frustrating me. It's not losing to the Rams. The Rams are a good team. It's the fact that I feel like it would have been our sixth Super Bowl if we won last night, and that's what makes it hard to evaluate. But I'm sure after a few months off football, I'll probably be thinking, yeah, we had a good season last year. We can come back and do it again. So probably overall, yeah, I'm just trying to be a bit more um, open-minded about it. Amazing. Uh, I, I, like I said, you predicted it before we won. Um, so, um, yeah, another great episode, guys. Thank you very much for joining us, uh, Jamie, Mark, and JP, with his late entrance. And uh, thanks to all those who have watched live or listened live, and all those who don't listen live or watch live or whatever. Thanks again for tuning in. 
Um, nice little comment from Bones there. You have Trey Lance to look forward to as well. Um, so yeah, it's it's there's no real football next week. There is the Pro Bowl, I guess. So you know we, we are going to come back on a week today in some way or another. Who knows who will be on? Match be Jamie on his own. Don't know. <laughs> um, but um, uh, well, that's when we'll we'll try and get as many as we can on from both shows because we'll try and do our Super Bowl predictions and, and make it a bit of a fun episode, I guess. Um, but no, uh, thanks everyone for joining us, and hopefully uh, we'll see you all next week. Thank you. Yeah, just finally finish. Oh, oh yeah. Well, <laughs> if, if they're watching live, they do follow us on all them. Um, I imagine. You never know if they're listening on Spotify. They might, they might go, oh, what is this American football show? Oh, there well, you then go. Google third and short podcast. Google <laughs> us. There'll be a picture of Matt. You'll love it. <laughs> uh, yeah, at third short pod. <laughs>